0: There are those who believe life here began out there, far across the universe, with tribes of humans who may have been the forefathers of the Egyptians, or the Toltecs, or the Mayans. Some believe there may yet be brothers of man who even now fight to survive somewhere beyond the heavens. Stanley presents Battlestar Galactica. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 120, Battlestar Galactica, Issue 1, cover date March 1979. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Comic Book Time Machine Presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to go back in time once more to talk about some old, old, old comics. And this comic really is taking me back. This This comic has so much nostalgia wrapped up in it. In these two covers, the front cover and the back cover, There is so much nostalgia going on and it spans almost a decade of of uh, of nostalgia because of just when the original story happened and when the comic book actually landed in my hands uh, between them. There's almost 10 years. But before I start the review for this comic, please allow me to to tell a story, a story I'm calling A Tale of Four Comics. A long time ago, at a flea market far, far away, I was in 6th or 7th grade, and it may have been the summer between 7th and 8th grade because I remember vividly reading the comics I'm about to talk about in the duplex that my family lived in during the year of 8th grade. Anyway, my family and I walked through the tents of this outdoor flea market in and out and around, booths filled with people selling Random stuff. I don't remember much about the random stuff. There was junk. There was furniture. There was toys. All these relics from another time. It was the mid 80s and I was in an awkward stage and my comic book collecting was pretty much only licensed materials at the time. So it was basically limited to almost exclusively G.I. Joe, Star Wars and DC's Star Trek comics. I had other comics but those were what i bought off the spinner rack when i had the chance or the choice during that time. so at that time back issues for me were they were limited to buying bagged comics at the grocery store or being gifted a comic from someone else and that's actually probably primarily yeah where i got most of my comics that had that were not licensed although you know thinking about it even then like the, the one Transformers comic I had, which was issue number three, had Spider-Man in it. That was given to me uh, by a friend. Um, another Spider-Man comic I had, it was Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man. And it was this one done in one story. It was a fantastic story about um, someone who wanted to create a, a a villain. He just wanted to create a villain to go up against Spider-Man. And it was a really, really good story. But anyway, um, my back issues were because someone gave me something or because I found those bagged things. Um, I'd never set foot in a comic book store. And honestly, I probably was unaware that comic book shops even existed. So my interest was piqued when I saw at this flea market, a single box of comics on an eight foot table at a booth that was selling knickknacks and chotskis and whatever. And I flipped through the comics in this box and, and found what was to me at the time, a a comic book grail i won't go as far as to say a holy grail because i have no idea what i would even considered a a holy grail of comics then because i didn't really care much about you know seeking out things because i didn't know how to seek out things but one of the things that was just not a part of my collecting is i was getting things so randomly That I usually had just one issue here, one issue there. And then there was a run of, I think, four issues of G.I. Joe in a row. And I had a run of three issues of Star Wars in a row. And, um, oh, the Star Trek, too. I had a run of, of some Star Trek comics. Two, three, four issues, maybe. I'm not sure. But in this box were three issues in a row of a comic book series. And what sweetened the deal and what caused me to even notice these three comics was the title it was Battlestar Galactica issues number one and two and three. And so I, I had to have them, which wasn't much of a task. I, I it wasn't that difficult for me. I had some spending money. They were cheap. I don't remember how much they were. And I really, really wish I could remember how much they were, if they were a dollar each, or if they were, you know, four for a dollar or, or what they were, I had some spending money. And so I simply handed the money over. And the person behind the table took my money. I took the comics. Didn't say it was an exciting story. I just said it was a story. This is how I got got these comics. But again, that was mid-80s, which was a long time after the, the TV show. And, oh, and by the way, the fourth comic was, uh, and I don't know why I got this comic book. I think I thought it was older than it was. And I think I thought I was getting some sort of really old collector's item or something. It was Shazam number 6 with an October 1973 cover date, and I only know that because I had to go back and look it up, but it was very easy to find this cover. And I don't know why it interested me because the cover was super boring, but it really really stuck out. I was really really curious about it. I I thought I was getting something I think older than what I when I was actually getting. Um, the cover Said with one magic word, Shazam, the original Captain Marvel. And there was this picture of Captain Marvel. Now, the the words I had to look up because I didn't remember the words on the cover. And I don't even know where this comic book is anymore. But the picture was of Captain Marvel, a drawing of Captain Marvel, sitting in a rocking chair. Now, the drawing was hand drawn, it was brightly colored. And He was sitting in a rocking chair that was actually a part of a photograph, though. The the rocking chair was part of the photograph. It was on a nice little carpet, and there was three kids in their PJs. He's reading to them from that comic book, from the very comic book you were holding. I didn't know what it was called then, but it was one of those infinite covers where the cover appears on the cover. And so it repeats on and on forever. And it's the kind of thing where if you animated it today, you could just animate it just forever, just zooming in on that issue and then zooming in on the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. And it was not exciting at all. I really think maybe I was buying, <laughs> I think I thought I was buying an antique. Uh, it looked old. It looked old and it looked vintage i i don't know i don't remember anything else about what was inside i do remember sitting in that room in the room with my bunk bed that i shared with my brother uh again in that duplex and and reading the comic in that room so i'm I'm positive that we were living there at that time so it would have been eighth grade but i just remember sitting i remember reading it but i don't remember what i read so (laughs) it would be really really interesting to uh really interesting to go back and revisit that. But I I think the reason I got it was there were three Battlestar Galactica comics. Um, This would have been the fourth. And I'm wondering if it was like four for a dollar or something that I needed a fourth comic to make it fit the, the pricing of whatever I was getting for some reason though, that was the one that was interesting to me. And I'm really curious now how boring were the other comics in that box to cause me to to choose that one. Now, I, I guess I, I should I should say I remember being interested in the character because of the TV show and I had a deck of cards that was a, um, a, a deck of cards with Shazam characters and because I only knew the TV show, I had no idea why is there an old guy wearing the Shazam costume and, and why is there I don't know, a monkey or whatever it might be? I had no idea what these other characters were. Dr. Selena was, was on my, my deck of cards. And so the only time I saw him in a comic, if I saw him in a comic is because they were talking about him. And uh, I do remember having a DC comics presents, with Plastic Man and in the letters pages, they were talking about Captain Marvel or whatever. So I really, I'd like to maybe try and dig this up and read it and see what I think about it now, because I remember nothing about this except for that cover. And I remember that cover so vividly and it's so odd and boring looking, but I don't know, maybe that's what attracted me. This is so weird or odd, but anyway, back to the Battlestar Galactica comics. That was the treasure at that flea market. That was what I remember exciting me. And so I, I read and I reread those comic books, which retold the story of the first episodes of the series, it was also essentially the the movie that they did of the series. Again, so this was mid-80s. This would have been around eighty-six, eighty-seven, well, eighty-six, eighty-five. I'm not I'm not gonna do the math right now, but Battlestar Galactica had been off the air for a while. There were reruns on TV, but they had gone away uh, for me uh, anyway a year or two earlier. As far as how they were available to me on the, you know, afternoon programming block, uh, I remember the afternoon programming block was Monday through Friday, and they skipped between Battlestar Galactica. And, and Buck Rogers. And it was right after school. It was perfect timing for me. And I would get home and I'd watch it. And I remember my mom getting concerned about all the violence I was watching and I had to choose one, which I don't quite understand. I, I'm wondering now if maybe it was more about just getting me off uh, out from in front of the TV. But anyway, I, I watched most of the episodes though in their first run, or at least their first run for me when I was watching it on Saturday mornings. And I I don't know if it was syndicated because I, I I believe it was not, I don't think it was syndicated. I think it was actually just the channels that I had in, in Ontario that were available to me were playing these, these shows on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. Uh, But I loved it, became a fan of it. I remember my cousin was into it. I was into it. I loved it because it was almost star Wars. The other kids in the playground, they loved it as well. But then it went away. And after it went away, my only connection to it during that time was I had a novelization of the first few episodes of Galactica 1980, which the first few episodes of Galactica 1980, not bad. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to make the controversial statement. The first three episodes and the final episodes of Galactica 1980 aren't bad. They're, they're par for what this series was when it was coming out. So I read that book a few times. It's got time travel in it. It's got time travel, flying motorcycles, um, and <laughs> I didn't realize that at the time, but it had, uh, I think the Brady dad was, was one of the characters in it, but I, that was it. That was it. So for me, this was, was spectacular. So I don't remember all of the exact timeline details of when I actually got these in my, in my grubby little hands, but. Let's move to a timeline of the show where I can give some more concrete dates to the, uh, the, the timeline of this show and the comic book that it inspired. So, July 8, 1978, there's a movie edited from the first three episodes, and it hits theaters in Canada and Japan and Europe. And then September seventeenth, nineteen 1978, Saga of a Star World, the three episode pilot movie airs December 12, 1978, Issue 1 of the comic book hits stands. So since we are on the, a, a comic book time machine, we're going to move ahead in time. And April 29, 1979, the final episode of Valser Galactica, Galactica airs on TV. And then from January to May of 1980, Galactica 1980 was on TV. Then October 28th, 1980s, the final issue of the comic book series. So an interesting point here. This is something that comes up often with some of the and will come up even more with some of the future series here in Marvel's Cosmic Comics. The comic outlasted the source. So even if you include the second quote unquote season, which is actually a completely different series, but whatever to me, it's season two. You can call it what you want. But spiritually, it's season two and Galactica 1980 exists unless you don't want it to in your head. (laughs) But this outlasted even that second second series. So, as I've mentioned before, this comic got a lot of attention from Marvel. When did I mention this before? Well, I mentioned this before in let's see here. Episode one hundred and twelve of Marvel's Cosmic Comics or episode 114 of The Comic Book Time Machine. This is before I was releasing episodes one at a time on both feeds at the same time. And so if you're listening to this on Marvel's Cosmic Comic feeds, you can go to episode 112 where I talk about the Battlestar Galactica Marvel Super Special, the oversized treasury edition of the first 3 comics of Battlestar Galactica. And I feel bad now, looking at the date of that. That was December 29th of 2017. We're talking, what, almost four... Yeah, just about four years ago. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Yeah. The one that was in the Comic Book Time Machine feed was episode 114, and that's when I used to do the omnibus editions, where I would take everything from one month, put them into one great big long episode, and just was easier for me to just go ahead and release things in both feeds at the same time. But anyway, it was clear they thought they might have another Star Wars on their hands. They released that giant treasury-sized edition issue. They released a small paperback pocketbook-sized edition as well. And then, of course, they had the comic book series itself. And, yeah, I mean, the marketing for this it was on tv it was a lower rent version of star wars and and it being on tv obviously had a lower budget but to me as a kid man it looked fantastic and i wanted all the action figures the difference between this and star wars was star wars launched with what 13 action figures uh this only launched with i think six and they weren't even really great (laughs) Uh, and the only action figure I had was the imperious commander. <laughs> so I had that stupid thing where you, I guess it wasn't stupid to me, though, in some ways, because on the show, you only saw the thing's head and robe. And I pulled that robe off and lost the robe. So I just had that that stupid thing with it big pink head and big purple hair and weird pink body with these kind of flippery hands and, um, very smooth, but strangely textured body. And yeah, anyway, it was a weird action figure and obviously it was a, uh, it just joined my, my star Wars background monsters. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was kind of a, well, it was just, the only one that I got out of all of them. I, and I think if I remember correctly, they had Imperious Leader. They had the four armed bug creatures that come later. They aren't in this issue, but I always wanted those. They had a Dama. I think it was Starbuck, but it might've been Apollo. And then they had um, a Cylon and they had that uh, uh, the Daggett. So, and I didn't have any of them except for the <laughs> Imperious Leader. Yeah, but, you know, Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, you had all these things coming out thinking they were going to be the next big thing, the next big Star Wars thing. And was going to make money for toy companies and money for comic companies and money for movie companies and money for TV companies and all these different places. They were just going to ride those coattails as long as they could. And they did. They made some money. For them, but none of them had the the lasting power and and the massive amount of products and toys and and tie ins and all these things. Nothing matched up to Star Wars, but because of Star Wars, we had Battlestar Galactica, and it was weekly. Again, you know, Star Wars was here's the movie, here's the holiday special, here's some comic books, here's some action figures. And now here's another movie, and and that was it. Well, and novels and Battlestar Galactica had novels too. I shouldn't shouldn't forget that there was a, a novel series that again outlasted the show. And uh, for some reason, I only got that Galactica 1981. And I remember buying that. I remember being in the bookstore, seeing it, wanting it, convincing my mom to get it for me, and and reading that. I think it would have been fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, but. At any rate, they thought they had another Star Wars on their hands. And that's why it went to Marvel Comics. Uh, So back issue magazine, back issue number, I believe it's 89. And yes, if I uh, check, it is indeed issue number 89. Issue number 89 was Bronze Age Adaptations. And this issue had an article about Disney's Black Hole, had an article about Jack Kirby's 2001 I used this issue a lot for that series. It had uh, oh yeah an article about Marvel at the movies, creating Hollywood adaptations in seventies and eighties. It had yeah Korak, Son of Tarzan, Marvel's Worlds Unknown, and the Shadow. And then there's an article that's called Battlestar Galactica, and they interview Walter Simonson, Al Milgram, and. Roger McKenzie, in that article, and you know before I read what they said about the kind of some of the background stuff that was going on with this comic book, Tomorrow's and back issue. If you are listening to this podcast and you are liking what you hear, go to Tomorrow's dot com. You can get almost everything that they sell in a digital edition that you can download and have the PDF. But then also you have your account on their website. And those issues are available and on any device, even if it's not the one that you downloaded it originally on. You're able to use it and, and look at it through your browser as well as a PDF. But it's fantastic. The pricing for the PDFs is very reasonable, and I love supporting them. It is a great publishing company, and they've done uh, – well, they did a back-issue magazine about swamp monsters they did a full book called swamp men which i've talked about before on the the swamp monster feed and it's just fantastic fantastic and so the, the issue that i'm talking about now issue number 89 had those uh interviews and here's what walter simonson said now walter simonson started as the artist i should have talked about that so not on this issue, but he became a writer, and then he was also an artist on this. Uh, but this issue was written by Roger McKenzie. Ernie Cullen did the artwork uh, with uh, Jim Novak doing the lettering, George Russo doing the coloring, and yeah, and and this is Ernie Collins doing great work here, doing great work. We'll talk about my review in a moment, but Walter Simonson. He said that they were doing a fair amount of licensed properties as comics back then. So licensing Battlestar Galactica would probably have been of interest, particularly in the wake of the success of Star Wars. And then Al Milgram, who was editor, would have, he, uh, he said, at the time, Marvel was going through a thing where they were gathering up licensed projects. And it was a bit controversial because we get a lot of mail claiming we had sold out. Besides Battlestar, we were doing Shogun Warriors, Godzilla, and Micronauts. We are doing all kinds of superhero stuff. We had gone through a monster phase, yet somehow fans felt it was a sellout to be doing licensed stuff, which is a typical short-sighted response. Fans want you to be only for them. Comic publishers are a business. Like any business, they look for other ways to make money. If you are doing a saturation of your own business, you look for other material to be other possible revenue streams. In the history of comics, every major company has done adaptations and licensed material. And of course... At the time, Battlestar was kind of a popular show. It was trying to cash in on the popularity of Star Wars, which we were also doing. Ironically, I now get fans that come up to me at conventions and say, my favorite comic was ROM, or I love the Micronauts, a credit to our creative people. The writers and artists at the time would take these things and not think, oh gosh, I got to do a license thing. A lot of the times, they it was things they enjoyed. I remember at the time, a bunch of people come over to my house to my apartment rather to watch the first episode of Battlestar Galactica. It was an interesting show. It was probably cutting-edge special effects for TV at the time. <laughs> so and, no, not probably. It really was. And that's because they went and got some of the Star Wars special effects people, and there was a lawsuit, and the lawsuit outlasted the TV show as well. <laughs> because that's how the, that's how the uh the gears of justice move. So anyway, onto my review of the comic, the cover, it, I remember this is just drawing me in and it's, it's the, the story of the first episodes, like I said, where the 13 colonies get attacked by the Cylons and the last remaining star, Galactica has to come in, rescue them and they start their journey to find that That planet called Earth. And the cover is showing the Cylons doing that attack. They're blowing up a city. There are people running. There are people screaming. It reminds me of a lot of covers where you have this kind of focal point of a Cylon. And it's got lasers shooting down. And then you have these kind of layers where your eye moves back then. So your eye starts in the center, moves to the bottom, to the front layer, where you have three people who are running and screaming, and then you start moving your eye backwards and you see another layer of people running and screaming, move backwards even more. There's explosions and then more of the Cylon ships and it's a well constructed cover. It has the still only 35 cents. And then it also says first collector's item issue. And it also says annihilation. So there's not an actual story title for this issue. and Annihilation on the cover is really the only, uh, the closest thing they have, and they have to that. And they did this for all three issues, if I remember correctly, but I haven't dug up the other two issues to, to take a look. Then it also says, based on the first episode of the television series, Battlestar Galactica, written and created by Glenn Larson, that's on the cover. And then, of course, it just cracks me up, that first collector's item issue. First collector's item issue. I don't understand the why they use that particular vergi- verbiage, it feels kind of awkward. First collector's item issue. I, I feel like it should be first issue collector's item or something like that. And then they also have the the corner box. And I love the corner box. It's interesting, though. It doesn't really look like the Battlestar Galactica. And honestly, it may not supposed to be the, that ship. I just can't tell because it's partially obscured by the title, by the G from from the title, but it has a colonial viper pilot, and then it has a Cylon head. It has a viper, and then it has a large ship that I think is supposed to be the Battlestar Galactica, but it doesn't doesn't look too much like it. But anyway, um, yeah, this cover just it just draws you in. It's a really really well done cover. I love that they're announcing still only thirty five cents, and I just watched a video about the corner box art on on YouTube and it was a fascinating video and they showed some really interesting stuff but I love the cover design that Marvel had at the time with the banner across the top Marvels Marvel Comics Group the issue number over on the side and then then that uh, character character box art so that's the cover uh inside it tells the story very well I can't remember I need to go back but I mean we're talking almost 4 years ago about <laughs> When I started. Oh, man. <laughs> so the, the Marvel Super Special that they did was October 10th, 1978, two months earlier, which means in four years of this podcast, I've gotten through two months of, of comics. And that's not great. It's not great. But, you know... I'm getting to it now. Anyway, I can't remember what I said when I talked about the collected Marvel Super Special Treasury Edition, uh, how I felt about it. But I feel like the this issue, it tells the story, it tells it pretty well. And I know Roger McKenzie in that article uh, from Back Issue Magazine, he talked about how he had a lot of fun scripting this. Uh, he had come to this from another project and on that other project where he's adapting uh, a movie. Or a TV show, he tried to cram every single thing in and he didn't do that for this. He actually let himself not feel like he had to do that. And I remember when I first did uh, the, the Hedge Knight, which was an adaptation that I wrote of uh, George R. R. Martin's. Uh, Novella, I tried to cram every single thing in. And that was my first professional gig. And there's some pages in that where you look at it and there's just so many (laughs) words. And it was just me trying to keep all of George Martin's words. And so that's, you know, what Roger McKenzie was kind of talking about. But this issue does a a pretty good job of telling that story. Uh, I only have one complaint. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I really like the artwork here. The art has this thin, these sharp lines. It's simplified, but not simplistic. It brings the characters' likenesses to life. It's not perfect likenesses on on every page, but you can tell exactly who it's meant to be, even if they're not dropping the name on the page. And there's some stylistic panels, and some of it works really, really well, but there is some difficulty following the flow of of the panels sometimes because of that. And it really is at its best when it's not trying to be too inventive. And, and it really is more about, you know, let's, let's let the eye follow the page the way the eye is trained already to follow the page on, on a comic book. The, uh, the ships there's, there's good ship likenesses here. The Cylons look good. They're not too hard to draw. They, they seem to look good. Uh the final panel of the issue honestly is the weakest panel in the whole thing. And that's because it has these. I mean, it works. You've got these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about seven ships, including the Battlestar Galactica, which is the most off-model, I think, in this panel as it is in, in the whole book. And they're all kind of pointing at this one focal point in the distance that you can't actually see what they're actually pointing at. But if these ships continue on this course for very long, they're all going to just crash right into each other. It just doesn't look good. And so that's probably, you know, small complaints, though. small complaints. It does the job. It tells the story and it takes me back and it took me back. I remember as a kid reading it, like I said, over and over again, because it took me back to that TV show that I really enjoyed and didn't get to watch very often now because Back then, it just wasn't being syndicated on the channels that I had available available to me. So, and rereading it now, also a lot of fun. So, oh, and to follow up then on the story, the tale of those four comics, Where did the Captain Marvel comic end up? I don't know. It was in boxes, and it moved with my comic collection, and I'm positive that I have it somewhere in my collection. But the Battlestar Galactica comic books. That I got from that flea market. Well. I spent the night at a buddy's place. Before a youth group event. And he had these. It was great. It was great. He had these Star Trek blueprints. That I had never seen. But I had seen in a collector's catalog. Of things you could get. You know, And that's honestly a lot of my pop culture awareness. Came from these, <laughs> these collectors catalogs. That I got from. I don't even remember what they were called. I remember one of the catalogs that I did get was from mile high comics and I did get some catalogs from lone star comics, I think is what they were called at the time. Now they're mycomicshop.com, but yeah, he had these, these blueprints. Oh, that's really cool. And then he had the computer hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy game. And I will never forget that I figured out the puzzle that he was stuck on and We were able to kind of do that text adventure game for a little while. And then I brought those comics for him to see because he was, you know, he liked Battlestar Galactica and I accidentally left them there and I never saw them again. So I don't know about that. A while later I asked him about them and he said he didn't know where they were. He never saw them. So they were just in his room and then they disappeared and who knows where they ended up. So the copy I read for this review Technically, my second copy purchased for this project. And that is the end of that tale of four comics. Again, I didn't say it was an interesting story, but it is a story. So what's happening next on Marvel's Cosmic Comics? Well, next will be Human Fly. And I actually hope to get to that a lot sooner than I did for this one. I think that I recorded the last Marvel Cosmic Comics issue episode would have been i think december of last year so almost a year in between uh yeah again this is my this is my hobby podcast and so this is when i do get to sit down and read comics that's what i do and so what's happening next in marvel's cosmic comics well next on the list is the human fly it's the final issue of the human fly and that will make this podcast the definitive Right now, for the time being, Human Fly Index podcast out there. There is another Human Fly podcast out there right now. Uh so when they get to the final issue, then then we'll be co-definitive, and they're probably going to be doing it better than I am anyway. So it doesn't matter. Um, but for now, I can claim it once I do it. Hopefully, I'll get to it before they do. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. I haven't listened to it yet. It's over on the um, fire and water, uh, not fire and water. Yeah. Fire and water uh, podcast network. And I haven't listened to it. I'm sure it's fantastic. Just, just by virtue of being on the fire and water network, you know, it's a good podcast and yeah. So I wish them well. I hope I can beat them to issue number 16. (laughs) We will see if I do that or not. And if I do, for a brief period of time, I will be the definitive human fly index podcast show. But <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm better. And it just means I'm first. So, but who knew that there could be another human fly podcast out there? For right now, I can rest secure knowing I am the definitive man from Atlantis podcast out there possibly the definitive Jack Kirby's 2001 Logan's run I mean I'm doing things that people might kind of care about but not enough to do a podcast about them but human fly it's just interesting enough that I can see someone wanting to do that so I'm sure that it's a good podcast I actually feel very confident recommending it without me listening to it But I yeah, so all of that said, that's next on Marvel's Cosmic Comics on the main feed. My plans are to continue just doing what I do. I read a Star Trek graphic novel that I'm going to be talking about on the main feed. And then, of course, there's some Swamp Monster comics from Marvel and DC. And then I also have some horror comics that I can't wait to read and talk about. And that might happen here in October. I do want to be careful about the kind of promises I make about what's coming next. Here's what I can tell you, that if I have time and I read a comic that I enjoy and I think I'd have fun talking about it, there will be an episode of the comic book time machine. And if Matt and Daniel get together, there will be another episode of the comic book time machine. And between those things, who knows what's going to happen? I don't. I know this, though. Comic books are meant to be enjoyed, and so if you are reading comic books and you are not enjoying the comics you're reading, you're doing something wrong. Find something better, find something fun, find something you're going to enjoy, but they're meant to be enjoyed. So I just hope that if you are out there reading comic books right now, that you are finding something you enjoy and that you're enjoying it. And as Shag from the Fire and Water podcast would say, find your joy, find your joy. Battlestar Galactica here little bit of joy. So until next time, as you are out there traveling the cosmos, looking for that place of legend. In fact, you may not know precisely where it is, but it lies beyond the star system in a galaxy like our own. It's a planet called earth. And as you go out on your journey to find that planet called earth, I just want to wish you Godspeed. Next episode, The Human Fly, issue number 19. Is this the end of the death-defying Daredevil? High wire to heaven.